have abs- hello, check one, hello. I have absolutely zero idea what's about to happen right now. And that makes me extremely excited. Because I was a good little Christian preacher boy and I prepared a nice message and Jesus is like, I don't want you to preach that message. Hallelujah. Can I get a tiny bit more volume? Hallelujah. God's going to do something tonight. He's going to do something fresh. He's going to do something new. He's going to do something that every single person in this room needs tonight. And it has very little to do with the words that come out of my mouth and the way I can articulate, but more about the heart that you have in your chest. And I challenge you to open your heart right now to the Holy Spirit and pull on him because he has something fresh for you tonight. My Bible says that the good work that he started, he will be faithful to complete, Karina. You don't got to hold it in your own hands. You don't have to manufacture it with your own merit. All God is asking of you is that you would yield, that you'd surrender. And if you yield and you surrender to the word of the Lord, not just tonight, but forever, I promise you the seed that is within you, the seed that is Christ, that was the power of God that gave you power to become a child of God. It wasn't of your own merit that you got saved, but it was faith produced through grace that you were saved, lest any man should boast. That seed has within it the power to produce all that you need according to godliness, to faithfulness, to righteousness, to peace, to prosperity. Everything is in the seed. Amen. And it's the seed of Christ that is within you if you're a born-again son of God. Amen. God's going to do something tonight. I just feel it in the atmosphere. Man, I was just getting wrecked up here during worship. Was anybody else getting wrecked tonight? I just started weeping under the presence of God. Man, I love that. I love when I'm a mess in the presence. Come on, I I give you permission to just get messy in the presence of God tonight. Stop holding yourself together so well. Stop Stop keeping your makeup all in order. Bex was, me and Bex had a little joke of she was like, I gotta fix, she's like, I'm fixing my makeup. She's like, oh, I better not because I, I, I'm like, it's okay to look messy. She just gave herself permission to look messy. Women of God, we give you permission to look messy tonight in the presence. Come on, we, we need mighty warriors, both male and female, that are surrendered to the Holy Ghost. That are yielded to the Holy Ghost. That will not bow to the system of the world. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. A little bit of the amp energy drink that I had as well. But man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I had to get a little amp because I preached this morning in the Methodist church this morning. And I was like so tired. I couldn't fall asleep last night. And then I woke up and I was like, I woke up early so I can prepare. And then God switched everything in this morning that I preached. And I was like, God, why are you always switching everything when I put the verses down and I make good notes and I do everything right? Why do you make me go left when I do everything right? Because we need to learn how to yield to the Holy Ghost. You see, when you know the directions, you trust in yourself. But when you don't know what's around the corner, you have to trust in the Holy Ghost. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he 
And he, and he will direct my path. I'm not creating my path. I'm not choosing my path. It's already been chosen for me. I'm surrendered to my path. You need to be too. You need to be surrendered to the path that God has chosen for you. Do you know that the ministry that Paul had was given to him? He didn't create it. He didn't self-promote himself into connection ministry. It was given to him, the Bible says. The ministry of reconciliation, the mysteries of the gospel of grace was given. It was not created by a man. But in this day and age, we have a lot of men that learn a couple of verses and they have a little charisma and then they create ministries. And we wonder why we're not receiving from the Holy Ghost. Because we're raising up gifts and we have yet to see real prophets come back and actually be declared by God that this is my prophet. Do you know in the book of Genesis that Abraham lied about his wife, Sarai, before her name chose to Sarah, was, chose, was changed to Sarah? Read it for yourself. And the Bible says that Abraham lied about his, about his wife, that he was his sister to Pharaoh. But then there was a second account where he lied again to the king, I think Abimelech was his name. And the Bible says that a man who lied, Abraham, that the house of Abimelech was persecuted with famine, with disease, and with all other types of atrocities because he took Sarah into his own house. And Abimelech said, but Lord, I have not sinned against you. He said it was his sister, and I have not lied with her. And Abimelech said, and God said to Abimelech in a dream, I have kept you from sinning against me. But give back Sarah to Abraham and have him pray for you and you shall be healed. For he is a prophet. God came to a man that doesn't serve him and declared Abraham his prophet. But we have men in this day and age creating influence and declaring a title for themselves. We need to get back to the days where God comes to your enemies and says, Daniel is my prophet. And everything lifted off of that enemy's house in a moment. Because there is God-chosen leadership. And the problem in the United States of America and Western culture right now is we have learned how to promote ourselves and we need to learn how to surrender again. I said this on Tuesday night. Obedience in this day and age has become synonymous with control. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Obedience is synonymous with love according to the Bible. The word of God says that if you love me, then you'll obey me. Hello. Now, don't get freaked out. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just preaching to the principalities and the wisdom of the world and the atmosphere that hovers over this county. And we are dictating the wisdom of God. We are dictating the word of the Lord. And it will break in this county. Not because of me. Not because I'm raising my voice. But because God chooses remnants and people that will not bow to the system of the world. Even when it looks like church. 
You see, the religious system ended when Jesus came and he said, this age, I have come to fulfill the law, but this age will be done away with. And I am bringing a new age, the new covenant. And the system that was of the old, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they still wanted to do the things that they were used to, that they were comfortable with, that they had been taught. Lord, help me right now. I have have no idea where this is going right now, but I'm excited because I feel the Holy Ghost on it. Listen, let me, let me encourage you right now. God is chasing you so hard and so fast. He is, he is knocking on your bedroom door way louder than you're trying to knock on his. The problem is sometimes we don't like the vessel in which Jesus desires to anoint. So we block the way God wants to touch us because we want to be touched the way that we're comfortable with. You see this all throughout Scripture. I preached this, I touched on it a little bit, the story of Naaman. Anybody know that story? The Bible says that Naaman had a prisoner of war, which was uh, children of Israel, and that one of the daughters was a servant to a maidservant in Naaman's house. And Naaman was a, was, a, was, a, was a leader, I believe, over the Syrian army. Forgive me if I don't have all the wor- everything down, but you can read it in the Bible. It's in there. And he got struck with leprosy. And he got struck with leprosy, and the, and the little girl came to, uh, to the maidservant and said, if you would go to where I'm from, there's a prophet that can get a word of the Lord and pray for you, and you will be healed of leprosy. So Naaman heard this, and he got hope in his heart. He's like, I can get healed? This is awesome. See, it's not, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healed. There's nothing wrong with wanting a ministry. There's nothing wrong with wanting to serve God. But are you ready to surrender to the way that God is going to tell you to serve him, or are you going to create your own ministry? Now, Naaman comes to the land, and he comes in, and he's got all his, you know, his, his, his caravan with him, and he's got his camels, and he's got everything going. He's got his servants with him. And then he comes, and you see he has an expectation of what's going to happen. There's nothing wrong with expectation as long as you're willing to lay it down as soon as the Holy Ghost shows up and changes the directions. It's good to have a demand on God. We, you know we teach that in this house. We're, we're like, come on, let's go after this thing. But you know what? When the wind of the Holy Ghost blows in a place... You just put your sail up. You don't try to turn the motor on. Do you understand? Let the wind take you where you will go. For all those that are born of the Spirit, who knows where they come from or where they're going? John 3. You follow the wind of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you do need to use a little motor. That little motorboat. But then when the Holy Ghost starts blowing, you just put the sails up and you go, Woo, let's take a ride, baby. Come on. Now, Naaman comes in to the territory where the prophet was, and the prophet gets the word of the Lord that he will be healed, but he sends out his servant. See, Naaman was a man of high character in his own eyes, a high esteem in his own eyes. It's not bad to have self-esteem, but don't have such high esteem that nobody else can talk to you and correct you. For everything in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is good for doctrine, good for reproof, and definitely good for a good rebuke. Hallelujah. Find a father. Don't be an illegitimate son. Now, the prophet says to his servant, go and tell Naaman, dip in the river Jordan seven times and you should be healed. That's an awesome word. Leprosy is an incurable disease and he just got noticed that he, if he goes into the river, he's going to get healed. But Naaman didn't like the way he was going to get healed. 
See, he thought the prophet maybe was going to come out and do a little abracadabra, wave his wand over his head. Maybe acknowledge him as being a great war hero or a great leader in his land. Have a little breaking of bread and sipping of wine and then give him some thus says the Lord awesome prayer to tickle his ears. But he was disappointed because a servant came out of the prophet, not the prophet himself, and said, go dip in the river seven times. Now, here's where the mercy of God kicks in, because Naaman got pretty ticked at this. And he leaves his caravan and everyone with him. They take off. The guy has leprosy, an incurable disease. Anybody have any family members that have been dealing with cancer or maybe passed away from cancer? I've had multiple of them in the last five years. If a prophet came to me and told me to stand on top of my head and do jumping jacks with my feet and bark like a dog and my cousin would be alive today, I would do it. See, but even in the church culture today, we have a lot of people that want the title, but they don't want to surrender and, do the, and pay the cost, pay the price. Paying the price is a bad term in Christianity in most circles today. Paying the price. Are you kidding me? Paying a price? Paying a price is a bad term in Christianity. Are you kidding me? My Bible says, count the cost before you put your hand to the plow and go, lest you take your hand off and return. Hello? Before you go to war, war, war before you go to war, that was my abonics kicking in, hello. Before you go to war, count the cost. You don't just go to war just to go to war because war sounds fun in charismania. Count the cost first. Be ready to go all the way, not half the way. Amen. There's a price to pay. Not for salvation. Salvation is a free gift of God. But if you want the anointing that breaks the yokes off of nations that you're called to disciple, you better guarantee, honey, it's going to cost you something. Now, Naaman's disappointed in the word that he got. And he didn't like it. So he leaves. But here kicks in the mercy of God. Because the mercy of God came to a servant of his that was wise. And he said, Master, to Naaman, if the man of God would have asked you an honorable thing to do, would you have not done it? So why come all this way and just because it's a less honorable thing, would you not do it? It's in the Bible. You can read it. And Naaman turned his ear towards a servant, and he said, you know what? You're right. That's the mercy of God. Let this be the mercy of God to you right now if you're listening. Stop being proud and haughty and surrender to the word of the Lord. Surrender and yield to the Holy Ghost. And you know what happened? Naaman came back. He did as the prophet told him, dipped in seven times, immediately was healed. That's awesome. Testimonies are awesome. They're beautiful, but we don't build ministries off of them. We don't build ministries off of them. Do you notice that Jesus, through the Gospels, every time he healed someone or delivered them of devils, he said, be sure that you go and tell no one. That is the ministry of Jesus. We don't go and exclaim to everybody how awesome God moved through our life to heal somebody. Now, if people find out about it, that's awesome. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Some people are attaching testimonies to their life and then building a ministry based on how the power of God moved through your hand. Listen, the only part you had to play was your hand. You can lose your hand. The Spirit of God healed that person, delivered them. Amen. Now, notice this too. 
Abraham was called a prophet. Did you ever hear Abraham get a word of knowledge, prophesy, or do some awesome herald in the scripture? Yet today we look at gifts as a prophet instead of who God calls a prophet. God will choose his apostles, his prophets, his evangelists, his teachers. The Bible says he gave some to be pastors, some to be teachers. So do you not realize that that there is a double requirement of responsibility as soon as you step into the role of a teaching role? Guys, do you understand that the... If I was to, I shared this with a couple of people recently because I think it'll help you to not be quick to try and start something or do something. It's not that we don't want to see people saved. You understand? Nothing's stopping you from getting people saved. Why are you trying to get, why are you trying to gather everyone around you is the problem. Do you understand? I, I am, I am standing here today because, not because I was looking to go after ministry. I actually wanted to be like Mike, Michael Jordan. I wanted to play in the NBA. That was my whole goal in life. I, I was a pretty good basketball player. They called me, they called me J-Dub, little white chocolate on me. Most of my friends were uh, of different. I was like, I was the minority in my friend group. I had black friends, Mexican friends, everyone else, all my territory. It was like everybody was better in sports than me, so I had to, like, learn how to get better or else I was never going to get picked. It sucked. I was like, dude, this sucks. So I got good at basketball, and I loved it, and I really enjoyed it. But my whole goal in life, I wanted to play basketball. But you know what? My dad would drag me around to meetings like this where there'll be some psychotic guy spitting at the front row people and they'd be getting baptized by saliva. And he's like shouting his head off. And then in the middle of the meeting, he'd say, you, stand up. And then he'd prophesy over me. And I didn't even receive the prophetic words because I was like, that all sounds horrible. I want to play in the NBA. I don't want to serve God and go to the nations and pray for the sick and, and preach to millions of people and all this stuff. Do you realize I was getting dragged around to meetings? I wasn't coming up to a prayer line asking for a prophet to lay hands on me so I can hear the word of the Lord and I can go into something. I was getting dragged around, called out, not desiring it. That's why there's a grace in my life to carry the responsibility that is on my shoulders because it's not my shoulders that carrying it. It's the government of God that is upon my shoulders because I, like Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm not Jesus. Understand what I'm saying? but I have been anointed to fulfill the role in which I am fulfilling right in front of you right now. And that is not a boastful statement. That is a confident statement because I know I have heard and met with Jesus. I didn't just read a scripture and go, that would be nice to start a church or start a ministry or do something awesome because that looks fun. Because I was at a prayer meeting one time, I laid hands on people and they shook and then they felt like the fire of God touched them. And that was really fun that I felt power go through me. So I want to keep doing that. The power of God hit me when I was 18 years old like electricity, like I stuck my hands in light, in, in light sockets. When I, was in the deepest, when, when I was in the deepest part of sin in my life, totally turned away from God. My dad dragged me to a men's group meeting or a, men, a men's retreat encounter. I'm not going to get into the full story. I was so far away from trying to search for God, but God said a moment in time where he called me, and I answered the call. I felt electric, tangible volts of electricity that didn't feel painful, felt awesome, actually. But they shot through my entire body. I went to open visions. All this stuff happened. Listen, if you're questioning if the fire of God has touched you, you have not been touched by the fire of God. You will know when the fire of God touches you. Just like if you stuck your hand into a light socket, you know that you got electrocuted. 
Nobody has to ask you, well, this scripture says this and that scripture says that. If you read the electricity manual from, you know, Edison, they're going to tell you, this is what electric volts feel like. No, you're going to be like, look at my fingers. They are burned. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am convinced, not because I know something, because I know someone. He called me. Do you understand? I hope you guys get this, and I hope you're taking it with the right heart. And if you're getting offended, good. Repent. Good. It's okay to get offended as long as you don't leave the doors with that offense, because that offense is going to knock on your door tonight. And that anger and that bitterness and that root, it's going to grow. Don't be offended. And some of, you, some of you might be thinking things like, oh, well, you know, I've heard better preachers, and I've heard better people lay down this and that and the other thing. Listen. The Pharisees and the Sadducees has the, or the Sadducees, the Sadducees, excuse my, excuse my, uh, that was blown. Hallelujah. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had the best teacher and preacher that will ever walk the face of the earth. And they were offended. So much so that they put them on the cross. It's not about your preacher and your teacher. It's about your heart. Where's your heart? See, when I got touched by the Lord when I was 18 years old, there wasn't an altar call that I wasn't responding to. I didn't care if it was for something I never even heard of people doing. I was running up to the front with my eyes already with tor torpedoes of tears ready to launch out of my eyes. Do you know how many times that I looked at my floor in my bedroom and I was like, when did my carpet change that color? It changed because of the tears going into the carpet that were saturating the rug so much that it's like you can't clean that. Hours in the presence of God. Surrender to the Holy Ghost. I was bearing fruit of the ministry without desiring a title. That's what you need to learn. Some people are looking for ministries and they don't even understand what fruit looks like. Do you realize why Jesus cursed the fig tree? Do you know what the fig tree represents? It's a representation of Israel. Jesus cursed the fig tree because when leaves manifest on a fig tree, that means there should be fruit being shown. The problem was is that the fig tree wasn't bearing fruit. It was only showing leaves. Do you know where else fig tree leaves were in? Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves. It's man's look at themselves and how they try to present themselves perfect, but on the inside they're bearing no fruit to holiness. This is why Jesus had such a problem with the, with the, with the religious system of the day. He said, you brought a vipers, which means you seed of the serpent. You whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, there is nothing but darkness. Just because you're teaching the Bible doesn't mean you're teaching Jesus Christ. Discipleship, following the Lord. Because if you haven't yet surrendered, you can't teach anybody else how to. How can you teach somebody to do what you cannot do? Does anybody go to learn engineering from a guy that, you know, Makes popsicles for a living? Absolutely not. That'd be retarded. Oh, you make big, you make big orange pop. What are those things called? Big pops? What are those old ones? That's all I remember. You guys know what I'm talking about. Hey, can you teach me engineering? I make orange popsicles. You make orange popsicles for a living. This makes sense. No. You go to someone who has spent years doing engineering in the field, not just in a book. You guys okay? I hope you're okay because this is the word of the Lord right now. Obviously, you can't see I'm not reading notes. This is just the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us. Guess what? Can I just relieve everybody's tension? He's speaking to me too. Hallelujah. 
He's speaking to me too. He's calling us deeper. Isn't that awesome though? Isn't it encouraging to know that the Lord would release a word over you right now, which means that you're able to receive it? Hallelujah. That's the encouragement of the Holy Ghost. The encouragement of the Holy Ghost is not just tapping you on the butt saying you're doing a good job when you're fully blown out. Love of a father, of a good, good father, we like the song, but a good, good father will chastise a son who is doing wrong, knowing that its end in his life will bring destruction. He doesn't just encourage him when he's blowing himself out, walking on the edge of a cliff. You're doing such a good job, son. Look at how you can balance. Next thing you know, he's falling off the Grand Canyon. How is that a good father? It's not just about patting people on the back and encouraging them. If you don't have the strength in your heart to chastise somebody, what does that mean? Does that mean bringing out a whip and slapping it across the face? No. It means correction, godly, authoritative correction through love. I got spanked when I was a kid. I don't know about this generation. This generation, it's like illegal to spank a kid, I think. I don't even know what's going on in the world today. I think that's a song, what's going on in the world today. I don't even know. You can't even spank your kids without getting, like, some, your kids can, like, subpoena you or to the court or something. I don't even know. I'm probably blown on that stat. But anyways, you guys get what I'm saying. Everybody's so sensitive. Why would you not want to get corrected? Who in here in their right mind doesn't want the actual truth? Nobody. But you know why you don't want to hear the truth? Because the truth is challenging what you think is truth. But at the end of the day, truth is not afraid to get challenged. Because truth will stand when all other things challenge it. Amen. Hallelujah. I have no idea where we're going from here, but I, I promise it's going to be good. Hallelujah. 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 Here, let me, let me, let me, I'll do this, because I know there's some areas of scripture that some people are, might be blown out on and like, well, you know, you could just start your own ministry and stuff. Let me just show you some scriptures right now to help you out. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chap, uh, chapter 5. The last thing you want to do is come, in, come, come before the Lord. The Bible says that everyone will be presented before the judgment seat of Christ. Better to go there now than later, meaning better to surrender everything now and not make all the wrong decisions for the rest of your life and then be judged for either your good or bad works on the earth. doesn't mean you're going to be cast into hell, but why would you not want to fulfill per God's perfect destiny over your life right now? Amen? Doesn't that make sense? So going before the judgment seat of Christ means that there's going to be some people, hey, there is nothing wrong with starting an awesome business if that's what God's anointed you to do. Do you know that Abraham was rich beyond all other people that he came around so much that heathen rulers that had thousands in their armies said, dude, we got to join up with this guy. They were willing to get circumcised as grown men so they could be a part of Abraham's clan. He must have been rolling in some dough. And his women were blessed because they're like, we want to marry all your daughters. So there was even a blessing in the genetics, praise God. Amen. You guys are so blown right now, you don't even know what to respond to. You're like, ah. I've been, I've been getting electrocuted for the last five minutes. Is he going to bring out a whip and slap me in the face? No. Listen, I love you guys. Listen, I wouldn't talk like this to people that I didn't care about. If I didn't care about you, then I would just be like, yeah, go do whatever you want. Time invested will also equate to a person's care for you. I'm investing my, of my own time and effort right now. I don't always feel like bringing words like this because I know it's not going to be the rah, rah, shish, kabah, shout down the preacher. Hallelujah, brother. Great message, Jeff. Most of us are walking out like this, like, oh, my butt's sore. feel like you got spanked or something. 
Listen, it's okay to get corrected. I would be concerned if you live your whole life and you never get corrected. Because the Bible equates that to an an illegitimate son. Whom the Lord does not chastise should consider themselves illegitimate as sons. You can say you're a son of God all day long, but if you're not getting corrected by the Lord, I wonder what's going on. Amen. Conviction and condemnation are way different, guys. Condemnation will bring a charge against you that doesn't show a way out. It locks you in a prison that you can never get out of, no matter how hard you try. Conviction will show what's wrong with an immediate access point to go into the right direction of freedom. Amen? It's okay to be convicted by the Holy Ghost. Conviction is even a bad word in the church today. That is blown because one of Holy Spirit's job is to convict our hearts. He circumcises our hearts, and that's an act of sonship that Abraham had. They had to do in the flesh. Now we do it in the spirit. But he also convicts us of sin. Why would we want to be in relationship with something that put Jesus on the cross that he died to get us free from? That's why we need to get convicted. Conviction is a good thing because it shows you this is the wrong way. Death, death, death. Alarm, alarm, alarm. This is the right way. Run with everything you got. Amen. You guys in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Uh, let's see. So here, I'll even read the judgment seat of Christ here. This is a good one. Verse nine. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well-known to God and also trust are well-known in your consciences. That's what I'm doing right now. I am with the power of the Holy Ghost trying to persuade you to get off this bandwagon of me, 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 I, 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 whatever I think, and get on the bandwagon of yielding to the Holy Ghost, surrendering to godly leadership, surrendering to God-ordained leadership. Amen. So important, guys. So important. I'm not, listen, I am not, I would not speak this way for any other reason, unless it was the word of the Lord, because it doesn't do me any benefit. If anything, it just makes everybody mad at me. You know what I'm saying? But to those that are wise, a rebuke makes them all the wiser. But to a foolish man, they just keep scoffing. <laughs> Who's that guy? What fruit does he have in his life? Come and spend a week with me. I'll show you. Come and look at my life right now and all the things that are against me and how I still have a smile on my face, ready to take on the hordes of hell, no matter what comes against me. Do you know how many times I've tried to get, I've almost been taken out, whether of the ministry. Listen, do you realize as soon as you make a direct, a direct decision that you're not going to bow, there's going to be a lot of attacks. And I said this today to the Methodists and they're, you know, a little bit blown. Like, uh, you know, as soon as you talk about demons and casting out demons and all this stuff. Listen, the devil doesn't need permission to come and test you. He didn't need permission in the garden. He didn't need permission in any of the scriptures through the Bible. He doesn't need permission for you. He is coming to test you and sift you. The Holy Spirit even led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of, of the devil. We need to endure temptation. We need to know that a stance in the Holy Ghost is not just about a confession. It's about a life lived. And a life lived in faith is not a, I said this on Tuesday night, it's not a drive through one-night stand with the Holy Ghost. It is years and years of surrender, no matter if you have felt God with you or you didn't feel him with you. No matter if you got 800,000 people saved in a week or if you've never seen someone saved, you set your heart completely surrendered to the Holy Ghost. Whatever he says, I'm doing it. You understand? 
and you will not shake, no matter if the money's coming or if it doesn't come, no matter if everybody's with you or everybody's backstabbing you, no matter what. Amen. You see, I, I, I've said this a couple of times. I feel like it's just reverberating in my heart. I believe that if Paul, Peter, and the apostles that were doing the work of Christ in the book of Acts would come to churches, especially in Orange County to this day, they would take 99.9% of everybody that's in there. I get a little 0.1% for, you know, some people that actually are surrendered and maybe you're doing it awesome. That's awesome. But I would say 99.9, they would take him out, get him rebaptized in water, rebaptized in the Holy Ghost, and preach the gospel to them until they started surrendering everything. Because Orange County Church is not persecuted, but they live like it. If there was persecution to hit Orange County Church right now, there would be 90% of congregations that would deplete and just go and take any type of mark to be able to be a part of the spirit of the world. Because they're already doing it. Sometimes you can't tell a Christian, a believer, I'll say, this is a better word, a believer from a non-believer. They're rarely talking about Jesus. The sin, every, every sinful choice looks the same. They laugh at the same jokes. They watch the same movie. Everything is just sin, 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 sin. Okay with sin, okay with sin, okay with sin. Then you come into a worship meeting, and you got to pull teeth to get everybody excited to glorify and worship the king that gave them everything so they can live for eternity with Christ. But you don't got to pull any teeth. When they show up to the movie theater, they'll laugh their heads off and be all full of joy no matter what's going on in their life. But you talk to them about joining the Holy Ghost and they're like, laughing in church? What is this? Rolling around with uncontrollable joy? How That's got to be the devil. Yeah, because devil was the author of laughter. Come on. Get over yourself. Get over yourself and under Jesus. Submit. Submit to the Holy Ghost. I share this on Tuesday night. I'll share it again. Do you guys know who John Wesley is? We're in a Methodist church, so hopefully you do. He started the Methodist movement. I love this story. I'll share it real quickly with you. I love it because there was a, there was a lady that came to one of his meetings. And if you don't know, John Wesley, the way that the, the Methodist movement has been now, it seems a little bit more staunch, a little bit more controlled, a little bit more A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3. It's just really like, uh, it's, it's tight, it's dry. John Wesley, he would travel by horseback going into different areas. When they would preach, they would say to people, don't climb up in the trees because they didn't have an application like we do now. So they had to figure out a way to see and a way to hear. They would tell people, don't climb under the trees because when John Wesley would preach the unadulterated word of God, the fire of the Holy Ghost would fall and people would fall under the power and fall out of trees and get physically injured. A woman was in one of his meetings, and in the front, she started to roll around on the ground and start shaking under some type of power that they have never seen before. So they had a bunch of different people that were all leaders in different areas. I think there was a Catholic priest and some other stuff. And the lady's shaking on the ground, and everybody looks at John Wesley like, well, what's going on? Is this God or is it the devil? John Wesley does something very smart. He goes, I don't know. Let's wait and see. And after about 15 minutes of her rolling back and forth, shaking, not really knowing what's going on, speaking a weird language, she comes out of that experience and goes, praise Jesus. He goes, it was God. See, some of us, we get so high and lofty in our own thoughts that we go, this is God, this isn't. This is God, this isn't. Shut your mouth and be wise. Be slow to speak and quick to listen, the Bible says. Learn something in the Holy Ghost. Listen, I've been in meetings where the fire falls, and they told me I couldn't lay hands on anybody, and the Spirit of God came, and every single person in the room got a five-finger discount from the Holy Ghost. Shatara ba 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 
Korean Presbyterian churches, man, they're like really staunch and they don't want anything to happen like that. And I'd be like, okay, well, we'll just see what happens. Like I was very honoring to the leadership. But you realize when the wind of the Holy Ghost blows in a place, it's like a sound, like a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire come. You don't worry about what the religious spirit is saying. You follow the Holy Ghost. You need this fire on the inside of you. Do you see I'm not fearful? Do you see that in my eyes? I'm like this in a church with a pulpit or on Main Street. I look the same way. I look like this behind closed doors when no one's looking. That's how you need to look. See, some of us, we can look like this when everybody's looking. But we need to learn how to be like this behind closed doors when no one's watching. Because that's what Matthew 6 trains us to do. Go into your room. Close your door. Pray in secret to the Father. And that which is done in secret, crying out to the Father, will be rewarded in the open. But most of us were trying to get rewarded in the open before we've paid any type of cost behind closed doors. This is the wrong way, I'm telling you. It's the wrong way. That is not the kingdom. There is a cost to pay. Jesus paid the ultimate cost for you to be saved and free of what sin had power over you to be a slave of. But now you're paying a cost to walk in the power and the authority that he carried congregationally, regionally, all that stuff. The anointing on your life, if you want to see breakthrough, God gave you the keys, but there's going to be a cost to access how it's going to break out, and you're going to see other people access what's inside of you. you got to be faithful with little to be ruler over much. That sounds like a cost, doesn't it? That doesn't sound like a drive-through, one-night stand with the Holy Ghost. Faithful with little, faithful, 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 little, 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 a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Ruler over much. Years. You need to be okay with years. What are you afraid of? What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? You went, you went to four years of college to get a degree to go and work at Starbucks. You can't wait four years for the Holy Ghost to raise you up? You need it now? Come on. Come on. We need to die to ourselves, guys. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. That sounds a little scriptural, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'll get to the scripture that I finally brought you guys to, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 18. Now this is Paul speaking. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has, and has, and has, and has the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus gave them the ministry. They did not raise it up for themselves. You guys ready for another one? Some of you are going, well, you know, that looks a little bit vague. Well, let's get a little deeper. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Do you guys feel like, I, I feel on my body right now. You guys may or may not, doesn't matter really. But do you guys feel like a little bit of a tangible, like just like a buzz of the Holy Ghost right now? Like anything can shake and anything can happen right now? I feel that right now. Now, that doesn't mean you have to feel it to believe it. But I'm just saying, when you preach Jesus, when you preach the kingdom, he shows up. And it's not apathetic and, and passive, and it's definitely not pathetic. It will change your life. It will get you where you walk like Jesus, where you turn your face like a flint towards your cross that you're called to. And you're not willing to bow to anything else. Colossians 4, you guys there? Verse 17, the Bible says, And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have, which you have, which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Again, 
He received the ministry from the Lord. He did not build it on his own. He did not self-promote himself into some great ministry. He received it from the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians, Jesus gave gifts to the church. Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists. You have to understand this. Jesus chooses. We don't. And that's why you need to learn godly leadership because God has actually hidden some stuff in some leaders that you're called to submit to. Submission, another bad word in the church right now. No, it's not. It's actually a great word. Because if you realize submission, you'd start to walk in authority. Do you realize that Barack Obama, Donald Trump, all the presidents, they have authority in the U.S. because they submitted to the governmental process in which they were elected. Did any of them promote themselves and stand and say, I am the president? No, they were elected. Now, we live in a republic. Some people think we live in a democracy. We live in a republic. It's different. You can search it and look at the difference. We live in a republic, so we don't live in a kingdom, but you will get the analogy. Barack Obama, President Trump, all the other guys that have been in leadership, they didn't just elect themselves. The reason they carry the authority to give a decision to say, let the army go where it goes and missiles go forward is because they submitted to the process of the government in which they were under. Do you know that the kingdom of God is a government? The Bible says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And its increase shall know no end. You are a part of a government. The Bible calls you an ambassador of Christ. That's why you don't, you don't dwell on things of this earth and worry about everything in your life. Because if you'll just submit to God, he will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. Most of us are struggling, though, because we're trying to find quick fixes because we're not actually submitting to God. We're still trying to live soulishly and a little bit spiritually as well. And then when we want to get in the soulish realm, we go there. And then when we want to get in the spiritual realm, we go there. Whatever feels more appeasing to our flesh at the time. Do you realize that you can come to a church meeting, a fire, go, a fire Holy Ghost meeting, and you could still be in the flesh because all you want to do is feel like the ooey-gooey goosebumps? Guys, I, I, I didn't even know that the electricity and fire of God was possible. It came upon me because I surrendered in a moment, and that gave me a hunger for it. But God had to take me through process of submission. The Lord said this to me one time in a prayer line. I was at this meeting, and he said to me, son, you will never be a man of authority unless you're a man of under authority. That's a good word for everybody in this room. You need to understand that. You need to understand that because this is how the kingdom of God works. We don't do willy-nilly uh, create our own ministry stuff even though we're praying for people to get healed and all that stuff. We listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost and we follow his directions. Amen? First Timothy 1. I hope it's okay I'm just popping around on some scriptures here. It's good to just get, sometimes it's good to just get a rapid fire of just truth so that way you can see I'm not just making this stuff up. This is in the scriptures. Hallelujah. First Timothy, what did I say, chapter 1? Yeah, chapter 1. And this is good for those of you that want to be in ministry, dive into Timothy. First and second Timothy, and you'll start to see what's required of you. You don't get to live how you want and be in ministry. There are certain things that you completely die off to. And you say, well, that's religious, brother. We're, this is the new covenant. Paul, who has two-thirds of the new covenant written out through the epistles, telling his son, Timothy, oh, another bad word, son, father, son. No, no, no. There's no problem being a son to a good father. And guess what? Even if the father blows out, you can still be king. David showed us that. What, what your struggle is is that you want to be in control all the time. 
And that, I'll raise my hand. That's my struggle too. We got to die to that. There's nothing wrong with being in good godly submission, even if the leader is a little blown in some areas. Guess what you do when they're blown? Don't judge and criticize. Pray for them. Wouldn't you want a person following you to do the same? Amen. I wouldn't want people to pray for me. So guess what I do? I pray for my leaders. Oh, that sounds like a scripture too. It is for those of you that didn't know. Verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. What does it say? Putting, say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Putting me into the ministry. Oh, Jesus put him into the ministry. He didn't just choose to come. Do you guys see, like, even Paul's ministry, do you see how it started? Paul was killing Christians. That's a great ministry school. Hey, you want to learn how to be like the next leader in Orange County? Just go and kill off all the believers, and then God will approach you on the road to Heil Avenue and then on a horse and blind you, and then he'll make some other leader in the area pray for you. Paul was killing Christians, but God chose him for the ministry. See, some of us, we even put pressure on ourselves because we're trying to be good enough, but really the reason we're trying to be good enough is because we're trying to get affirmation from other leaders. I don't get my affirmation from men. I get my affirmation from the Father. And guess where that happens? Behind closed doors. The more you get affirmed by the Father behind closed doors, and this doesn't mean you hear the audible voice of God and angels showing up in your room, though that stuff happens. I just don't talk about it that much because then all of a sudden people start getting all blown out and making doctrines about stuff like, oh, I need to have an angel come and touch me on the forehead or I need to feel the electricity of God. Listen, that's how it happened for me. I'm just telling you that behind closed doors, intimacy, desiring the Father, not, not for how he can create something for you, but just to know him. I never desired to do ministry, guys. The Lord called me into it. He pulled me. He, I literally tried to run really hard away from it. I promise you. I tried. I'm not fast enough. He's a little faster. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for being faster than me. I tried to run away. I, did some, I, did some, I made some bad decisions. I, I, I confused some things. I got high and lofty in my own head. I did a lot of bad stuff. And God just kept pulling me in, kept pulling me in, kept pulling me in. And I love that he did that because I'm so glad that I never had a wrong perspective of ministry. I always, I always understood it as it was just by God's grace that I was doing it. So now I don't have this weird thing where I have to try and build myself, promote myself, make a name for myself because that's not what ministry is about. Do you know what your first ministry is? Ministering to the Lord. Most people build a ministry because they're ministering to people. Your first ministry is unto the Lord. And I'm raising up Samuel, Eli, because your sons are, just, are defiling the temple. And Samuel will come and minister to me. Do you know that not one of Samuel's words fell to the ground? The Bible says God did not let one of Samuel's words fall to the ground. How many would like that kind of power? To where you speak the word of the Lord and you're not waiting like six months to hope your prophetic word was semi-accurate because you just said, well, God loves you and I think he's going to do something awesome for you. That's your, that's your prophetic word. Samuel was like, no, you're going to go into this town. There's going to be men with donkeys and they're going to prophesy and this is going to happen and this is what their names is and all this stuff. Not one of his words fell to the ground. This is the ministry of the gospel, man. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Key word, Lord. Submission to the Lord is our key. Amen. Uh, I'll do another one for you. Acts, if you guys go to the book of Acts real quick. Where are we at on time? Anybody know the time? I know it's like different. 730. You guys good? You guys good for another 10 minutes? 
right, five, ten minutes maybe. Won't keep you too long. Hallelujah. This is good for us. It's just good. It's just good foundational teaching where it shakes all the cobwebs and the dust out of our mind that demonic strongholds get in there. Guys, do you realize that you can be a Christian, but you can have demonic oppression and activity in your life, and you can think it's yourself? Do you realize that that's possible? I mean, if we just look at Jesus with Peter, Jesus looks Peter in the face and says, Satan, get behind me. I mean, that's blown. Peter was walking with Jesus day in and day out. Do you think any devils wanted to get near Jesus? Absolutely not. As soon as he came out of the water into the, where the man of the tombs was, from a distance, Legion cried out of the man and said, Oh, son of David, why have you come to torment us? It's not our time. Yet Peter thought his own thought in his head was him, but it was actually Satan. Guys, I'm telling you, this stuff, like, this is why we need sound doctrine, not raise up teachers that tickle our ears. You understand? And sound doctrine just isn't about words. It's about the anointing of the office in which the person carries. Case in point, Abraham. And he is my prophet. Have him pray for you, and all this stuff will lift. Do you know if Abimelech wouldn't have listened to that and said, oh, I don't want Abraham to pray for me. I'll have some other man of God come and pray for me. Guess what? That stuff wouldn't have lifted. Because God said, have Abraham come lay hands on you and pray for you. I would go and step a little further and say that there's probably some stuff in your life that you're battling right now. You don't need to battle. All you need to do is submit to a godly leader, and it'll raise right off of you. Acts 20, uh, did I say, what did I say, Acts 20? Yeah, Acts 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I, which I, which I, from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Guys, we can just keep going on this thing. Your ministry, when it's your ministry, you might tickle the ears of people and you might get them to feel some goosebumps and you might even get them to agree with Scripture to a certain point. But if God hasn't called you to, your, to the ministry that you're in, then you're doing it all in vain because you're going to come before the judgment seat of God and God is going to say, I didn't call you to do that. I called you to do this. So all the work that you did is, is meaningless to your life. Though some people might have had some breakthroughs and then went to where God called them. That's that that for some of the like really like, you know, overly aggressive grace people that talk about like God's done it all. We don't have to do anything. We can just receive and God's done everything. Jesus did everything on the cross. That's a hard thing to hear because that that shifts a lot of their beliefs. I explained it like this. I'll explain it again. What Jesus did for you on the cross was purchase what you could have never bought with any amount of currency that you could ever produce. And then he put it in your possession. So I equate it to this. Every single one of you is dressed. Thank God. Hallelujah. So we're not all blown out. All of your clothes were in your closet or your dresser or for some of us that are a little less organized on our floor. I have that going on too right now. I need to do some laundry. But the clothes that I'm wearing today... I chose to put them on. This is what faith following Jesus looks like. He purchased it and put it into your possession. You get to choose to wear it or not. Hello. I'm just preaching the gospel to you guys. 
Hopefully you receive it. Anyways, I think, I think we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Actually, you know what? I'll read one more scripture because I, I feel like God actually did put this one in my heart. Just quickly open to Mark 10 and I'll read this. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. You're so good to us, God. Thank you, Father, for giving us a strong word. Thank you for speaking to me, God. This is, this is shaking me. I love it. It's making me want to just live holier and pure, and it's just awesome. Hallelujah. Uh, I'll read from verse 35 to verse 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Some people desire a title because they think that that title is going to give them glory. The true ministry of Jesus is becoming a slave and a servant to all. Guys, I'm not trying to create a pity party, but being a pastor and being a leader is not about coming on Sunday and preaching and then going home and being by myself and doing whatever I want to do. I'm meeting with people every single week, and all of their problems, I'm walking through them with the power of the Holy Ghost and grace and mercy. And the things that they're struggling with, I'm struggling with. And the things that they're rejoicing in, I'm rejoicing in. This is not just about preaching because you understand a scripture and where you can find it in the Bible. It's about becoming a servant to everyone around you. That's what true ministry looks like. But the first ministry that we all have is to the Lord. And I guarantee you this, if you ever get ministry to people before you learn how to close the door to your bedroom and minister to the Lord, the ministry that you build, it will destroy you. And that's just a good sober word to end on. Because I know there's a lot of gifted, talented, and anointed people in this room. And we're not here to call up gifts and talents and just point out anointings and then put people in positions of authority. Put people in positions of authority. We are here to follow the model of heaven. And the model of heaven, there is a Lord and he decides. And what he decides, we follow. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let me just encourage you, if this seems a little bit tough to receive right now, don't worry about it. It's fine. Because this, this is a tough word to receive, especially if it's shaking a little bit of your beliefs. But it's good to have your beliefs shaken when it's the truth, because now your foundation will become firm instead of like building your house on the sand, which the wind and the waves can come and destroy. Do you realize that everything you do on the earth will be tested by fire? 
And that which is built with hay and stubble will burn away. Only that is built with gold and silver shall remain, the Bible says. We're not here to just build stuff because we want to. We are here to obey the word of the Lord, and we need to all come into one accord, not just be in one place. You guys remember me talking about that? It's not just about having a community. It's about coming into one place and one community that is also in one accord.